0: Real quick, some plugs and ways to contact us. Debatablepodcast.tumblr.com It's our blog. Perfect place to stream and download the episodes. Of course, we've got links to iTunes, too facebook.com slash debatable podcast go over there and like us leave us questions and comments if you'd like to email us those questions and comments debatable at gmail.com and we are debatable pod on twitter i am still mr greggles m-i-s-t-e-r-g-r-e-g-g-l-e-s you can still send us correspondence through there but debatable pod is our new twitter you do know how to spell debatable don't you i hope at this point you do Caleb Armstrong is a friend of mine from college. We went to Towson University in Baltimore where we studied screenwriting, producing. Uh, We had several classes together. And uh, he's an intelligent, well-spoken sci-fi fan. Um, I knew a little bit about that when we were in college, but I never talked to him outside of the academic setting. And it was really a joy to have him on the podcast. Uh, We talked about movies, TV shows, and books particularly. Um, We went into this long conversation that became kind of serious. kind of relating the socio-political commentary of Ryan Johnson's Looper uh with issues like Newtown uh the massacre in Newtown and and certainly uh violence uh caused by young white males and uh we went off onto a conversation that had a lot of tangents but it was actually one of the best conversations I've had on on the show so um I hope you enjoy it today on the Debatable Podcast.
1: it's the government so we have this stupid insane inventory process right. and I'm kind of in charge of it for my for our division so I'm going through all this shit and I'm sitting there and I'm like why well, am you know this this is cool it pays the bills I, you know I don't get me wrong I you know well
0: what would you want to be doing something creative like, uh, Did like I, making films is that really what you want I'm to I'm trying be
1: doing? to well my thing has always just been the, the writing aspect
2: yeah. of
0: it.
1: Um, yeah. I've always like because it's the easiest thing in the world. Like, sure. okay, I don't have access to a camera. I don't have money to rent right, right. to rent stuff. You know, I don't right. have friends that have this stuff. Right. You know, um, so it's, it's a lot it's, easier it's to so do. I can sit at my mm-hmm. I, I can sit at my desk and write. You know, yeah. I've always done that. Always yep. like since I was like six years old. Man, I've always you know made stories and stuff. So that's mm-hmm. originally when I started to really get into looking at a film. Right. Um, it was from more from that viewpoint than it kind of grew out to the technical technical side of things, and then uh, I've never really been one for to want to act or anything like that. Um, I was, I did do, like, the Shake Troop thing in, in high school and whatnot, yeah. and I, I played I always played the villain.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't tell why. <laughs> right. If people would see uh, a, a, a picture of Caleb, he's got a, a mustache and uh, oh, we goatee. call a soul patching goatee, <laughs> and his hair's pulled back. He looks uh, very, uh, I, I wouldn't I'm say menacing. Villainous. Yeah, but villainous. Yeah, yeah villainous. Yeah, villainous. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I after would... many, many uh, reschedules and, and uh, cancellations, we finally got this going. Yeah. I'm so happy that you could come down here and finally do this. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here, man. Yeah. It's uh, really cool. It's really good to to talk to people that uh that I I went to school with that I either knew in classes or whatever and we were always acquainted and we always kind of had similar classes and I would always see you at uh screenings and events and stuff like that and I always thought, and, and subsequently after college, you know, I see you on Facebook and everything, and I love the stuff that you post. There's, I'm kind of like in love with your sense of humor and the stuff that you <laughs> you put up. And we have a, I think we have a similar interest in, in, uh, in uh, music and film, and I really like seeing that stuff. So I thought it'd be interesting to have you on here to talk about, you know, uh, the, the th- talk, you like to talk at length about some things. I've, I have been just witness to, <laughs> to long uh, message uh, streams, just threads of... Right. Love, uh, yo, I love, you know, academic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your friends, too. I love I love seeing, like, a nice, yeah. long 60-message d- thread. I, <laughs> I, I, so.
1: I, I am, like, I, like out, out of my closest friends, I mean, the people that I've known for a long time and stuff, I, right. am, I am, like, the dumbest one. It's hysterical <laughs> because, like, you know, I, I, it was funny because I, I do get into some, you know, debates. Like, I had this one friend I told you about <clears> earlier just yeah. lives down in Wheaton, uh, and this kid is, like, like seriously, I've known him since the third grade. Right. And we were all, like, multiplying and dividing fractions. <laughs> he was doing calculus. Oh, yeah. The the teacher had to get a new book and yeah, teach yeah. herself and do all stuff. And it was just, like, I've been real, really close friends with this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, smart dude. And it's funny because this leads me into something that I kind of wanted to bring up, something uh. that's been touched upon in a few of the podcasts I've listened to. Yeah. Um, he is one of these individuals who he's so smart. He's so grounded. He requires like a rational explanation for everything.
0: Right, and that can be. I, I get sometimes that can be obnoxious as shit. You oh, know, it's terrible. <laughs> just... It's terrible. Like in anything.
1: Now I understand. It's like you shouldn't like. Um, uh, Prometheus, of right. course, which you've talked
0: about at length. But, right? ho- but holes is what he's saying, like Hol- plot holes and stuff like well, that. No, I mean,
1: plot holes. Yeah, his, his whole idea is is you know, uh, you, your enjoyment of a film. Right. Uh, rewards lazy writing and yeah. lazy filmmaking in those situations. So why bother with it? And I'm gotcha. like, well, fuck you, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. You know.
2: Yeah, yeah. So just
1: using, for example, Prometheus as the example because mm. you talked about it a couple times, uh, and I don't want to get too far into it. But yeah, yeah,
0: let's not open that Yeah, I, again. again.
1: <laughs> I will just say that I genuinely enjoy Prometheus. I do. I think it's like a perfect yeah. film. Yeah. No, yeah. but you know what? It's fucking visually oh, brilliant, yeah, as yeah, is yeah. argued time and time yeah, again. Yeah. Yeah. There's. It's so muddled mm-hmm. you know what I mean and yeah. him and I went on this kind of long we were iming at work one day because I was sitting there rendering out uh, after f- some animations yeah. and stuff and of course it's like you know I can do this and that's gonna take five hours and right. that's why I'm on Facebook a lot oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. I
0: do all this crap It's true it's true you know we get we get jobs that are like technical background but there's a lot of downtime too yeah. you know when you're doing things yeah so so
1: we we had this long diatribe and uh, this kind of conversation and I was just trying to say you know that my whole take on it was look I like the movie. Period, and yeah. he's like, "Well, there's all these holes," and then so he <laughs> starts to get into this and that. And this is a guy who uh, does not read fantasy mm-hmm. ever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? And I've always read fantasy from mm-hmm. a- anything from when I was a kid. You know, when I was mm-hmm. a child, sword and Sorcerer was one of my favorite books, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, movies. Led me to the actual Thomas Mallory, the Mort, the Arthur, the Excalibur, Borman, you know that kind of thing. He doesn't like. He can't. He can't deal with this stuff because. He Magic he he he, he doesn't exist,
0: but I mean, yeah, that—that's what it seems like. He needs uh, logical and tangible. Like right. he's a uh, very based in reality, make logic of things. Right, and that's uh-huh. and
1: that's kind of it. Was funny because uh, we were, I'm trying to remember which one of the podcasts I was listening to where um, you guys touched on something like this. I think I think Swisco kind of touched on it. That's how you pronounce her name. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, and maybe Chewie. Uh, whom I don't know, but I'd like to go on yeah. record saying I do this guy. he is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like He's I don't even know dude. the guy. Yeah. I, I laughed out loud yeah, the yeah. most I think through throughout some of his yeah. stuff. But um, but why do we need an explanation for everything?
0: It's true. It's true. You know, it's, it's like, um, and considering the type of movies that you like to, I can see that. Yeah. Like, I did you take avant garde uh, with me?
1: I did. Okay. Uh, I don't know if Not with I, me, I don't know if you are in the class, but mm-hmm. that was. It's funny because I actually have on my note card. Yeah. That the two, in my opinion, the two best classes that I took uh, at Towson, mm-hmm. shout out, again. yeah, Towson University, um, were with Greg Fowler, mm-hmm. one of the two most amazing teachers I've ever had. Fantastic
0: in my life. Like, uh, Hawaiian shirts. Let's just say Hawaiian <laughs> shirts. <laughs> well, it's funny because
1: um, the other when I went to the University of Maryland mm-hmm. to get my first bachelor's, uh, the my the other teacher that had a huge impact on my life, was a mentor of mine, close close friend of mine, until the past few years ago. Um, Hawaiian shorts Hawaiian it, it, shirts too
0: yeah yeah <laughs> it's a it's a yeah it's a kind of a, a quirky thing yeah it's, a quirky, it's like uh, how they say um, the best film projectionists are these quirky kind of like almost Asperger's type dudes oh yeah yeah uh, I can see that quirkiness <laughs> in film teachers like uh, film teachers that wear shorts in the winter and wear Hawaiian shirts in, right. the, in the spring yeah I like
1: it the, uh but um the the two best courses I took
0: one was avant garde, mm-hmm. um, and the other one was dance for the camera. Which oh I yeah, yeah. If you, if I <laughs> never did, and I, I regret it to this day because oh, fantastic. I because from avant garde standpoint when I when I was studying it one of the things that I loved the most was like Maya Darren yep. and dance anything dance yeah. because I love. I want to interview these people that that actually did um, Cabaret Macabre uh, down here in Silver Spring around uh, Halloween. And they did this kind of like... Oh, it's like uh, these vignettes of of um, of little jokes. Like it's supposed to be cabaret macabre, so it's a cabaret show, but you also have like little jokes, like someone running with scissors, and they're laughing and everything. <laughs> but you don't get it explained to you. It's just it's vignettes. Right. So you see something like that. But uh, so much of the show was movement, and I love movement in in yeah. in uh, in, in, sh- in like music videos and in in uh, dance um, yeah. dance uh, shorts and stuff like that. I, mean, I it was, wish I took it it, was, yeah. there
1: there was a, um oh, what is his name? I can't remember I can't remember his name now. Uh there's a one wonderful series of of, of films that you watch in that class. Mm-hmm. Um and they are you know um people interacting with everyday things. Like one of them is almost like this 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 gentleman who who has like a battle this this very balletic, I don't know if that's a word. Mm-hmm. dance right. with uh, a, not a forklift, but like a front end loader. You know, and it's like, there, there's this very nice. tangible, almost ram romance between it, you know, mm-hmm. that, that is wonderful, Um, but, uh, so those two classes were just huge Absolutely. for me, because yeah. you go from like, film one, which I had with Tom Brandow, fantastic class, mm-hmm. but like I said, most of my kind of experience and stuff had been looking at the writing aspect yeah, of it all. Right, so I didn't know what the hell I was doing right. in film one, so that was just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, film two with Paul Mosen, did you ever have her?
0: I, no i did I had fun too with um the guy who had worked with um burns what's his name mm. uh, with um pBS burns yeah the dude that that did uh, his um, most of his cinematography gotcha. I forget his name. That's all right, but, but there's a lot of jokes
1: about Paula Mosin yeah. I'm sure you've probably yeah yeah oh yeah. Heard, you know, oh yeah. But the thing, I mean, the thing there, there is that she knew her shit. So I don't care what jokes you want to say about it. Mm-hmm. I could go to her and say, you know, Paula, hey, yeah, what's going on? And she would be able to sit down with me and just say, this is what this is what you need to be doing. You know, this is how to fix that. Uh, and I love stuff like that. I love oh, people yeah. who are direct, oh, yeah. who know their shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but going from those, which were you know very kind of regimented because you are learning the basics, particularly for someone like me who had never had really never had a film camera held in his hand before in his life besides, you know, still photography. Yeah. Um. To actually have that groundwork laid out and then step into Greg Fowler's avant-garde class mm-hmm. and basically be told, do whatever the fuck you want. Exactly.
0: Will. Exactly. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And it's completely kind of like um, you're kind of led by something that isn't logical. It's right. funny that you talk about your friend who's so grounded, right. and then, like I was saying, your 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 interest in in writing, but the the movies that you're interested in. I understand how it's more about the experience and kind of the journey that you go on with it sure. too because it's it, your interest is also it can be intangible that right. interest can be uh psychological or emotional right. or whatever yeah
1: well and this whole need to the, the, the whole kind of need to explain things i think is really i almost think it's yeah. like a fad
0: yeah you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah. I, I say that because yes the, i mean you, and people being led around by their fucking nose oh, yeah, we don't, you know yeah. you have
1: to ex- over explain everything don't fucking yeah. spoon feed me you mm-hmm. know i we you were talking with them. Um, uh Oh my man, I just listened to it yesterday, I don't remember which guest it was, but... What were we uh, talking about? You are talking
0: about 2001. Oh yeah, Curtis, yeah. And uh,
1: yeah. I guess it was kind of a brief continuation yeah. of an earlier, yeah, earlier right. conversation, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of want to comment on too, but sure, okay. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. Um, I, I love films with ambiguity installed in them yeah you know because absolutely. it opens up so many doors for you sure
0: interpretation is a wonderful thing and that's one of those things that's that's problematic with prequels when you have yes. to spell it out yeah and you have to say oh how did he get to that store world this is what happened right. I don't want a prequel yeah, I, I want, to want to use f- my fucking
1: imagination I don't want a spirit fed to yeah. me you yeah. know what I mean and uh, yeah. this is like um uh, this is a, a thing that's ongoing particularly in, in I don't know if you read fantasy fiction at all. Somewhat.
0: I'm not as versed as, as you the, and the, others I know. There's just this huge
1: focus on uh, having a well-grounded magic system. Yeah, It's right. like, okay, I get that. But right. you know what? If you just, like, Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm.
0: just
1: do, Yeah. You know, you have all this top-down stuff. Yes. Yeah. You know, Gandalf the Grey, the White, Iluvatar, you know, right. Sauron, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and, you know, there's no, there's no like he's tapping into the mystical electrical mm-hmm. fields the to explain irrelevant. everything,
0: right? You don't need
1: that, yeah. If it's well written.
0: I think know? that that's interesting too because a, a, there there are like uh, people don't believe it, uh, maybe they do these days, that there's tears to, to nerdity, there's tears to geekdom, where you have people that are like, um. This zombie movie, like I talked to to Angela about this, yeah. the zombie movie. I need to know where it came from. I need to know what virus caused it. I right. need to know what what started it. And to me, it's like, that's Why? that's almost a bu- beside the point it because is. a zombie movie is almost always an allegorical or satire or whatever. And that the zombies became something isn't usually the story. The story right. is kind of like the social breakdown, right? And how we as human beings, not turn zombies, are. Kind of like we're fucking it up, you know? Right. No, exactly. So many
1: of them. Well, it was funny because uh, when you were talking to uh, Angela about mm. about it, it. And she was talking about the uh, the zombra or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The zombra. She, <laughs> she needs to know where the zombies came from. And, yeah. and it occurred to me. I don't know if, if you've ever read World War Z. Yes. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's. They never exactly get around to saying. Yeah. That there's no way of pinpointing like. Right. Like whatever. I don't, there may be a patient zero. Could've I think been, yeah, they yeah. allude to that. Like some kid in there, China yeah. was like swimming and felt yeah. get felt himself get bit or something yeah. on his foot, and that was like it.
2: Yeah.
0: You didn't need anything more. Yeah. And to me, it's like it, always, so so those tears. I always think about yeah. like there's. There are kids that are nerds that, uh, to, in these days, we would also discuss maybe uh, autism and Asperger's and, and certain sure. uh, certain interests that are uh, kind of interest in trivia and idiot savants and other right. things. But there are levels of nerdity where they need to know everything. Like they need to, the, not only it's the world created, yeah, yeah, it's obsessive. They need to know every element, how it came into being. Right. And then there's others that, uh, um, th- that focus on something Else. they're casual when it comes to uh um the creation right. of it and where it came from and they're casual about that but they're focused more yeah. on kind of story and and all that stuff yeah
1: well and it's it's this is kind of just like a long way of getting into the the one brief comment on 2001 that i wanted to make okay. in right conversations on. with uh my one friend whom i mentioned uh we've talked about blade runner we've talked about you know always and he one he has the, he absolutely hates ridley scott okay um, and to an extent, I almost buy his argument because to the to the, to the whole point, like nowadays, like I, I it, can't stand Don't like them okay. like anything he's done basically. Oh, I mean, okay. he thinks he's horribly overrated, and I can understand that to an extent because his argument is basically if you look at his filmography, it's pretty vapid. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, Alien, Blade Runner, yeah, great. Yeah. I, they're two of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, him and I, him and I, my buddy have gone on at length about Blade Runner and how he can't stand it interesting and there's you know again that's a movie that
0: this is the guy that ne- the, the, that that things all... explains and okay. stuff like that and whatnot. and
1: you know he doesn't I think have the capacity to escape basically is what I think yeah. what it comes down to so, yeah. so 2001 for example we can go on a length me and him about how oh he can appreciate it for the artifice and he can appreciate it because of what Kubrick has done and this and that, that sure. is, but you know he thinks that the Stargate sequence is the most like pompous bullshit thing ever
0: Like it's so forced and pretentious. Yeah, it's it's just
1: it's so like you know, just for the sake of being shitty arty folks that it's there, and it's like, well, there's kind of this common thing. Oh well, if you go back and read the book, yeah, whatever. (laughs) I've read the book several times. Yeah, yeah, and no, you could get into that, but look at the film.
0: Is there more, like, I haven't read the book, is there yes. more in there that's it's, tangible? Or is I wouldn't it... say it's tangible, I would say that, um... The ideas are spelled out a little It's a more. little
1: bit easier to grasp, there's still that built-in ambiguity throughout the entire uh, throughout the entire narrative, but I, I do think that, um, I won't say more of an effort is made, but I think that because of the two people who were collaborat- collaborating on it, um... It comes through a little bit clearer in the book. There's some things that have, that go on in the book. Only a few things. It's really, it's really not a huge difference. Right. But it's just the things pop a little bit more. I right. think. There isn't that ambiguity. But right. um, So I, I literally had to sit down and tell, explain to him like what I thought two thousand, my interpretation, interpretation of 2001 was.
0: I think that's kind of like what's interesting about that movie, and particularly a, a lot of. Um, ambiguous movies is that you're you know you at at some point without being really pretentious but it's going to come off
2: pretentious
0: (laughs) at some point you are looking into the reflection in the lake at yourself you know you're looking at what your interpretation is if you come at it and you're a religious person you're going to have a different interpretation as someone that comes at it being an atheist or being a a scientific person sure
1: but I think that by and large uh, with 2001 um, I really don't think it's open to that much interpretation.
0: Okay, so you you feel that it's a uh, more... Like, the interpretation can be more grounded than, oh, absolutely. than most people? Oh,
1: absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, basically, I mean, if, if you look at how things are set up in that movie, if you look at the monolith, its appearances and stuff, um, it's clear that the monolith is driving human evolution.
0: Period. Yeah, That's what it does. That's absolutely. what it's there for. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and when you look at where it kind of takes you, you know, you've got, you know, apes, chimpanzees, whatever, dicking around doing their things. Yep. Monolith pops up. Yep. What happens? They get violent.
0: Mm-hmm. And they also get tools. And they get tools. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, there's this Tank sudden weapons, jump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And those tools, and there's that, you know, amazing cut that everybody mm-hmm. comments on, you know, yeah, the, there's the a tool in the air. And then all of a sudden, you see the man's tool in space, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, and that. Again, the monolith pops in. Yep. Have his problems. Go out. Howl freaks out, blah, blah, blah. And then... You have this wonderful sequence at the end that I am just... I I love. It's, like, one of my favorite things. And it has been even before when I was in high school doing drugs. Like, (laughs) I just think it was fantastic. Um, You have this wonderful, I think, very elegant, rich statement on the path of mankind going forward.
0: Sure. Yeah. You
1: know, and uh, people are divided about that flick.
0: Well, here's the thing that when I rewatched it, like, I, I have no problem with the beginning... The middle with Hal and the end. I do have one issue that I'm not completely sure about. Is that the space baby? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not the space baby. It's not that I don't <laughs> comprehend, but it is right. like it's, it, it's so ambiguous that I try to understand. Um, if the monolith is driving human evolution and human understanding and knowledge, uh, what is the what is it on the moon, and why does it seem to be a a violent outburst or whatever that happens on the moon with the scientists that end up there um so the monolith it, the monolith is there right. they find it on the moon there's a uh the scientists come there right, there's and like they, a burst of mm-hmm. whatever um like a, a high frequency, high frequency yeah. something um i th-
1: by and large i mean I think that you know it, it kind of goes back to these these whole ideas that that uh an early SF sci-fi guy is kind of, and I say SF in the purposefully, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: had of, you know, there's an appropriate time and place for us to move on. You know, and cultures and civilizations that have come before us that are presumably out there in spacefaring and all this stuff can set up, can can kind of guide this. You know, and say, hey, there's a time and a place for this. Um, they set these markers up you know it's not like they're just blithely kind of let's see the universe with these giant black bricks and see what happens you know what i mean
2: mm-hmm.
1: um it's it's like okay your infancy is over you've begun to expand and this is actually i mean the whole idea of mankind in a technological infancy is something that clark in particular harps on i mean he, he writes a lot about it, particularly in childhood's end um which is a fantastic book if you've never read it and if anybody from hbo is listening mm-hmm. seriously pick that up, uh, yeah. develop it as a mini because it would be awesome. Anyway, um, you have this idea that 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 there are just these these markers in history mm-hmm. that are kind of permanently there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and there's they might be set up by other forces. And so there's you find find the monolith one, boom, evolution. You know, you have thousands and thousands of hundreds of thousands of years of chimps, evolution of chimps. And then all of a sudden within you know however many tens of thousands of years. You have this huge leap to all of a sudden. Hey, we're in space. Mm -hmm. It's all about kind of encountering these these leaps, Mm -hmm. you know, and these things that we don't quite understand, but they're there for a reason. So the whole like little burst of uh, kind of radio static or the high pitched kind of frequency, I think, I think is more just kind of a, a a very technical way of showing that hey, you don't quite you haven't quite unlocked this yet. You'll get there, you know, but it's gonna it's gonna take some more time.
0: It's you not. I mean? It's not. It's not a. It's not a warning. It's not a. I don't consider it a warning. Okay. And I. And I honestly don't think that. Um, because how many is it? Years or months later when we end up with the Hal Nine Thousand. It's
1: years. Okay. It's. Um, it's not. Years it's later. not a huge jump, but mm-hmm. it's. It's years. Um. Right. I want to say it's on the order of. Twelve or sixteen, but I could be wrong about that because, they. I don't think they had launched.
0: I want to say uh, it was less champion. than ten. Even. Um, it may have been. I want to say nine,
1: seven and nine. Mm. Um. But I'm not I couldn't tell you off the top of my head how right. long it would take that ship to get out to Jupiter, or whatever, right. but right. I don't think it's been developed yet, but at any rate. Uh, and then you know the whole sequence again, where he encounters a monolith. It's full of stars. Um, this is basically Dave Bowman being the progenitor of this leap to mankind's new evolution. I mean, and it's reflected in the space baby. You've got this whole rebirth thing, yada, yada, yada. And this is something that, again, Clark writes about a lot. And if you know anybody goes back and reads this stuff, you'll you'll see that theme coming there too. So but um I, I don't think it's ambiguous. I, okay. I actually think yeah, that yeah. There, there's very uh, there's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of commentary on it. Yeah. But there's a lot of very good reason within the movie, and right. you don't you don't have to go out and read Clark's older yeah, yeah. stuff yeah. or any of those guys' older stuff.
0: I think I think people kind of shut down with ambiguity too. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh, this, this takes too much thinking. I'm not going to think about it." Mm-hmm. But if you you know, uh, nerd communities and the internet are built around picking apart shit, especially yes. sci-fi, which is horseshit. I mean, yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Like. I mean, that's where a lot of these uh, these videos on YouTube pulling apart the science and yeah. uh, Prometheus. And looper and all this shit. Which uh, I think is, is actually
1: like kind of valid uh, to an extent. Mm-hmm. I mean uh, one of the classes that I took at Maryland with like I said the, my friend and mentor uh, was actually a class called the science and science fiction and what we did was we read books and we watched movies and then we picked apart mm-hmm. the science, the mm-hmm. real science right. you know, and all the books that we read were very very, right. very hard SF right. and in fact one of them called The Black Cloud by Fred Hoyle who was you know England's astronomer Super Royale, I forget what it's called, but, um, what his title's called, but he, I mean, this book literally has, like, equations that he designed in there, discussing,
0: wow. you know, all
1: stuff, and it's one of those things that your brain kind of checks out, but, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's it's interesting to see the spectrum, because you can have something like, uh, I can't even use one World of Worlds, because that's that's even grounded, mm-hmm. I mean, you do have some very out there stuff, um, the culture novels by Ian M. Banks and stuff like that, or just space opera in general, where you have all those tropes and stuff like that, faster than light. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where, you know, based upon what we know now, you don't have that. You'll get up to 30% C or something like that. Right.
0: I I always enjoyed, like... I always enjoyed books and video games and movies mm-hmm. where <clears throat> the world that was created you had a sense that someone did work out all the math, yes. all the science and everything but you know what, they didn't explain it, they left it right. to itself so the little elements that come through in the story, say uh, the uh, the mother computer and alien or um, you know li- little things about science in Blade Runner or whatever sure. that are revealed as part of the narrative they right. aren't like, hey I need a preamble i don't need a preface to tell you all of this stuff we don't need uh, appendices to tell right. you what 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 this means and everything it's just either in the language right. or it's in the narrative it's not and you either pick it up or right? you I mean, leave yeah, it yeah exactly and yeah. which is funny
1: because uh and, and we'll, we'll get to looper i guess at some mm-hmm. point but yeah, yeah sure the I, I've, I've watched it a couple times since i saw it in the theater when the first time i saw it in the theater i was like this is awesome mm-hmm. this is awesome but then i the, on subsequent viewings i've been like you know that voiceover is kind of pretty heavy
2: handed <laughs> yeah. man you know
1: yeah, it's like it's, it's heavy handed yeah. I was like I would have expected a little bit more of Brian mm-hmm. Johnson but mm-hmm. you're a noir guy you, yeah. li- you like noir oh.
0: well he's all, the thing is you know um, as much in the wheelhouse as you would think it would be uh, uh, brick yeah. um, I was one of the most critical viewers of seeing that movie because I when I saw that movie <clears throat> I like I like transposing noir speak to high school um, um, yeah, thought- cr- crime filled uh um setting. Yeah. But to me, I could not suspend my disbelief. Really. I'm like, you're talking like you're in the nineteen forties. I mean I really like I really like uh you know what I like about the forties and, and film noir? I liked innuendo and I liked uh it's nicknames clever. and yeah. shit like that. And that's kind of the forerunner of, of a, a lot of um Social slang, yeah. you know. Social Damn. slang comes a lot from post-war, uh, yeah, at least in, in the United States, post-war uh, uh, noir. Yeah. But yeah, no. Brick had I had to see it subsequently, like two or three more times, and I'm like. I like the movie, I enjoy how it shot, but still I can't get past the disbelief. Yeah. Now I watch Looper and there's language in there that's also kind of slang and everything, but it's also kind of created in a in a back to the future fu- yeah, yeah. future type thing. And I felt that it was more refined too, you know. Yes. I mean? It's like there's yeah. there is a
1: wonderful line in Brick where he hits the guy in the face and he says something like, you know, I've I've got five fingers and I slept for four hours yeah, last yeah. night, which is one more one more than each of you got or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's this wonderful line. I remember laughing stuff, yeah. and it was like, okay, th- but yeah, there is is that kind mm-hmm. of bizarre disconnect. But
0: I don't know why it is for me because it, I, anybody else would say, oh, that's in your wheelhouse. Oh, no, you no, no. I,
1: I, I feel you on that. Here's my question for you. Yeah. yeah.
0: Being, being a, a, a fan of the movies that you are and being in film school at the time that you were, how do you feel about Boondock Saints? I fucking hate it. I fucking hate it, too. Jesus Christ. Uh, here's
1: the thing. I remember watching Boondock Saints and thinking, hey, this is this is pretty fucking cool, man. Yeah. I watched it with my buddies uh, and I was like, this is... This is good. And then it, it's just a movie that doesn't hold yeah. up. Yeah. And it's like... Willem Dafoe, obviously, he's, he's, he's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, he's you know. fantastic. <laughs> but instantly, I watch Boondock Saints, and I'm trying, I'm trying to absorb as much information as possible of the movie. I'm reading about Troy Duffy. And what a prick!
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh stuff. my god! I'm like, geez, to me, to what me, douche, yeah. You know? <laughs> to me, Boondock Saints can can go eat a dick and die somewhere. Yeah, that was... But that fucking documentary overnight oh, right? is the best thing <laughs> awesome. that's ever been brought into the world. Awesome. <laughs> I
1: love it. Well, on that tip, uh, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you another movie I can't fucking stand is Donnie Darko.
0: Oh, there you go. We just talked about it on the 30th episode. Made Fernando, uh, just a, just a little bit, but yeah. The, the, Donnie Darko is a movie that I was fucking crazy about when I right. saw it the first time, and now I watch it now. And I'm like, wow. this is shit. I'm sorry, like, yeah. anybody out there who's Heavy listening, handed, I'm yeah. sorry,
1: I can't stand it. It yeah. literally this is my th- this is all right. Armstrong's theory on how this movie was developed. Richard Kelly, sitting on a fucking porch with his <laughs> frat buddies, getting high. Dude, I read this. I read this book. Oh man, oh, by that. That dude on Science Channel. <laughs> oh man, and it blew my mind. And he starts getting into all that shit. It was like, yeah. it it. I have I have uh, cousins who are younger than me that just adore that movie. And I cannot. I'm hoping that they will get to the point yeah. in their lives where they go back and watch it. Yeah. Yeah, and they say, holy shit, this is this is tripe. We all do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, we all do that. Sure. Like um, I'm trying to think of movies that I that. Uh, <laughs> my my taste is more impeccable than mine. I can't. Think of but um. I, I wanted to real quick because I don't want to take up too much time I, I actually took some notes there you and go. I wanted sure. to write a few things uh, uh I, I kind of talked to you about how I, I uh, oh Resident Evil movies are terrible yes I can't stand those flicks. Let's, <laughs> <stand those flex. laughs> let's put that in stone yes um they're har- horrible uh although Mortal Kombat. Go back and watch that movie. Shit. Yeah. Still shit. Okay.
0: okay. I, you know, you, you always kind of like put this in perspective of when you see it. And yes. Like, oh, of course. Yeah, you know, 14 or 15-year-old kid probably thought, you know, got the fucking heart on Girl. it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Event Horizon, though. Okay, wait a minute. Let's wait a minute. This. Wait a minute. Let's get <laughs> into this. Okay, by far... The movie that that guy that, Curtis, my friend, has said throughout our friendship how much he hates it. And he kind of underplayed and it, it. And he kind of underplayed really? it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he really hates that movie. I don't hate it. Okay. I don't think it's, it's uh, again, it's a movie. It's not perfect. No. No. no Got no, no, no. some I've, flaws. Got some flaws.
1: But there's some interesting stuff going on in there. Mm-hmm. And I will throw this out there uh, as a kind of going back to Swisco, yep. Pandorum. Horrible. Okay. Shit movie. I'm sorry. To be
0: f- to be fair, <laughs> she likes a lot of schlock. Okay. Yeah, I'm not I'm not undercutting
1: it's, her. It's her not opinion. even it's not even good schlock. I, I feel you know. I just thought it was I just thought it was bad. I, I,
0: I think that some people get into the um, the uh, possibility and potential of a story, yeah, and then they so they're they're, they're, for, they're forgiving of the execution. They're like that was a really like to me lockout. Have you seen lockout? I haven't. I wanted to, and then it was like oh. okay. So so in execution. <laughs> And debatably, it's okay. Uh, uh, it's an okay movie. Debatable. Yeah, debatable. <laughs> but it—it's theories. It's—it's it, it's potential. Right. Could have been a fucking fantastic exactly. movie. That's the kind of movie that you could talk about for hours and say, "Man, if they only did this or whatever." That's how I feel about. And, about lockout. Yeah, that's how I We're feel about lockout. About. That's probably how she feels about Pandora. She kind of gotcha. checks out.
1: I, there is. I'll have to see if I can find it send it to you. I—I I read seriously like. It's like a 16-page critical diatribe on how Pandorum <laughs> is, like, mythic archetype reinvented. And I'm like, bullshit. Kung fu zombies in space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kung fu zombies in space. Yeah. Don't give me that shit. Yeah. You know, somebody saw The Matrix, mm-hmm. saw the remake of uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead or, or whatever, right. and was like, dude, let's do it in space, man. Yeah. That's awesome, right? Right. And then built this thing around. it. Uh, a couple other things that I just wanted to get into, uh...
0: Really? You don't like Watchmen? Okay. I love... I fucking love that book, okay? (laughs) Here's the thing. I'm gonna say, you know, I also talked about this, and this episode isn't out yet, with uh, the two two ladies from Feminine Critique, but we talked about it in there, too. My problem is when you're so afraid of the, the audience... That loves that fucking book, that you're so afraid to get away from that story at all, that you're so slavish to it, that I felt bored with it. Really? For me. For me, it was like there was spectacle in there. I loved fucking, uh, uh, what's his name, Earl Haley as Rorschach. fucking loved it. But there's parts of it that are so, like, especially if you see the different version. There's a regular version, a director's cut, and an uncut. I haven't seen any of the other versions of the theatrical And the director's cut and the uncut, Like, I mean, mainly bringing that Black Freighter stuff in there. Mm -hmm. It's so slavish to me that the pacing destroys it. Sure. Um whereas when they say when they throw it around Watchmen is unfilmable unfilmable and you're like no nothing is unfilmable it just needs to be done in a particular way there's a reason why they said that's unfilmable because I think that there's some elements of it that people would be scared to cut out that they would be scared to call fat and cut out of it so if you're a fucking fantastic fan of this this book and you come to the movie and you're expecting what you read and everything Mm -hmm. A lot of it's in there. Yeah. A lot of it, maybe ninety nine percent of it is in there, and you're gonna love it. But for someone who loves the book, that wants that, I've I've over time and time again on this show mentioned it, and it's it's still <clears throat> one of these theories of mine. I, a, a, a medium is a medium. A film is a film. A book is a book. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Sure. They can't be the a film cannot be a book and vice versa. Sure. So to me. Even though comic books are the most visual contender to be films, it's still a, a book this thick. Right. At 12 it's issues, huge, something yeah. like that. And you have uh, story points and parallels and jumping back and forth. It's complex. It's, it's complex. It's so rich. Yes. I mean, it's so rich. It's rich. And so when I see that translated to a movie... Uh, I know what what my expectations of that movie are, and I will say that I felt like it was it, it could have used some cutting. Sure. Whereas I also <clears throat> I also make the relation to uh, the other Alan Moore thing, V for Vendetta. Yeah. Which is extremely uh, a really good update of the source material, but a lot of people that loved the book went to see that and said that is shit. Why would I go see that? So. It's a juggle, but you thought, like it. You like the movie, uh, Watchmen movie. I, I legitimately think that it is the
1: best version that we actually could have hoped for if okay. somebody was going to film it. Yes, That's so not I, to say that I don't film. think it's flawed. I think right. they made very intelligent decisions. I'll, right. I'll give you one thing that I have debated this time and time with people is the whole scene with Silk Spectre and the owl where he's, he, they finally uh, have sex on the ship. And Hallelujah is playing. Mm-hmm, and yeah. it comes across as so corny. Yeah, yeah. The fact of the matter is that if you know the material, yeah. you know that the owl had uh, a problem with um, getting it up, basically. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I thought that was a really inspired choice to make that scene how they, how they did, because, uh, particularly with the Leonard Cohen, because Hallelujah starts playing, and it's like... Well, yeah, this is exactly what this guy would be mm-hmm. feeling. Here's this guy; he's he's you know been head over heels for forever. Yep. You know, uh, d- he finally has his fantasy come true, and he's finally capable and equipped of doing this. Yep. For himself and for her, and yep. it's like, yeah, hell yeah, hallelujah! Mm-hmm, yeah, right? You know, yeah. and I just thought that, you know, people aren't thinking about musical irony. You know, they're yeah. they're not thinking about diegesis and exegesis yep. and all that stuff. And I just th- I felt little touches like that worked very well and i thought that it showed that there was very capable competent hands on that movie i even didn't think that the end was a cop-out i mean i i legitimately thought they uh, they they did a fine job with it now i'm not going to hold it up as a as a paradigm you know as as this gleaming example of what can be done with material like that um and because i think yes you're right there's a lot in there I mean mm. there's a lot in there and it's tough to cut through
0: and that's another reason why like <clears throat> nowadays I'm, I'm a little more critical of movies that try to adapt such rich mm. and um, to some people's opinions convoluted mm. or, or very complex Material like that, when we have good examples of what you can do with miniseries and yes. with with series television, Game of Thrones, I'll yeah. throw out there. Absolutely. Um, so you have something that can handle uh, handle it in a a more broad circumstance, but then a fucking uh, uh, yeah, an episode of something can be. You can have a ten or twelve or fifteen. Right. And episode hour long episodes that really give justice to it mm-hmm. because with that like like the wire there's good build there there's narrative build where you can build this out and and exactly. it comes together whereas with a, a, a movie it, it's it's, it's t- scene by scene you know right. you you have to move it move it along yeah. Unfortunately,
1: I guess I snarkish grin there at the wire. Yeah, yeah, did you see that episode of Family Guy recently? Uh-uh, no. I don't watch Family Guy a lot anymore, yeah. I, I'm just not that thrilled with it. But did they, uh, were they... Peter goes through like the whole freaking episode saying, talking about Breaking oh. Bad? Oh, and it's the best show that's been on since the wire.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah no, 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 no. I saw, yeah, yeah, I saw <laughs> hysterical. The, the clip, yeah, it's
1: hysterical, yeah, hysterical. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you're talking about pacing and watching what I think is great for me to get into my diatribe about uh, the Dark Knight River r- r- okay, Rises. Okay, I can tell you how to fix the pacing in that movie. Batman should have had his back broken within 15 minutes. Boom. Bane's causing havoc in Gotham. Mm-hmm. You don't need any backstory. He's another villain. Whatever. Right. Who cares? Right. You know he's causing causing problems in Gotham. Batman goes out to face him. Snap. Gets thrown in that hole. He spends the entire second and half the third act basically in that hole. Yeah. You know <laughs> while shit goes down
0: and if there
1: was yeah you know I just, anyway just a quick thought there.
0: yeah um, I was gonna say now that I remembered it let me just go back yeah, real no, go quick. For it. I like I love doing this uh, where, where it's so out of, uh, out, of out of character uh, we were talking about uh, you know how how the universe I love it when the universe can be uh can be you feel like the science and the math has been figured out but it's not necessarily just spoon-fed to you or explained to you throughout the narrative but the right. narrative actually gives you those little breadcrumbs to follow it along prior yes. Primer. Primer is what I was thinking about. There. Primer, so, fantastic. So Primer, you know, the, it, it's an incredibly complex movie, and for most viewers, uh, even after it, the, watching it, would be like, I can't follow this. Mm-hmm. But if you get past the language and you get past the science, and you know that there's some sort of validity there, there's some, you know, it makes sense to someone, right. even if you're in the in the culpable hands of the of the filmmaker. Right. right that you know that if you follow this movie or whatever, you're going to get a little bit. Right. And then maybe on second viewing, you'll get a little more. Right. You know? That's a movie that's very rewarding on, on subsequent vid- viewings.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and Primer in particular, I think, is... Uh, I mean, I have my own reservations about Shane Carruth and uh, I too, where I his too. career's going and, and whatnot. Because, well, um,
0: there's interesting elements to him that I heard from... Uh, I heard from a... F- uh, this is already sounding like bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I heard from a friend whose friends were on that crew. He's from Pr- Primer Texas. Primer or Upstream. On on uh, on on Primer. Primer. So, uh, friends of his. He was in Texas. He was in uh, in East Texas, Waco, Waco, Texas. Mm-hmm. And these friends actually, he he knew a couple of them that were working on the set. And uh, Shane Kareth took a lot of credit for stuff that he didn't do on Primer, as far as. See, yeah, that doesn't shock. Recently. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's
1: funny. I, I hate to tie this back to uh, Richard Kelly. I, I read an article. Um, it was it was a technical article in FX Journal. Um, they were talking about um, the Matheson one he did uh, with the button. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. The box? Diaz, the,
0: yeah, yeah, The box. Um, which is a great
1: short story if mm-hmm. you've ever read it. It's come from Richard Matheson, the same guy that did I Am Legend yeah. um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and others. Uh, he they were talking about the makeup used on um frank langella and richard kelly's sitting there explaining how uh yeah chris uh, Chris nolan came by to see to see what we were doing with it because he had these ideas on how he wanted to do two-face and he came by to look and see you know how we were doing things and the effects and whatnot and was so blown away by it that he said you know what oh hey i'm going to use some of these techniques (laughs) Oh <laughs> shit! I don't, you know. I sure, okay. Chris, Chris uh, mm. Nolan came and visited you. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> that's the but, true part of the story. Yeah, that's the true part of the story. But but then to literally sit there and say,
0: yes, yeah, yeah, I'm Richard Kelly, and Chris <laughs> Nolan came over and took my idea. Mm. Did. Uh, anyway. Let's 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 uh, make it quick because it's we're gonna get right into Looper. Okay, Looper. Do you have anything else to talk about? A lot of notes about Looper. Damn man.
1: Oh well, I was gonna say. Well, not about Looper. No, there's just a bunch of little little things here. I like done. these.
0: I like these tidbits by Caleb. Let's do it. Yeah.
1: If you okay, last tidbit. but last tidbit okay. by Caleb Armstrong, Armstrong's theory of Shyamalan. Watch his it. filmography. Uh huh. Here's my theory. He he <laughs> was led. He was he had his handheld for six cents. Yeah. If you watch how, I don't want to say perfect, but how well executed that film is. And then you watch *Unbreakable*, which I, it's, is my favorite one of his flicks. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, it's it's still pretty solid. And then things just shit the bed, and go to hell. And I'm sitting here. The only thing I'm I'm sitting here thinking, how did this happen? Like seriously, take take a take out the self indulgence. I mean, rem- remove him from that equation and yeah. his ego from that equation. Look at the technical mastery of *The Sixth Sense*. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm not saying it's it's the perfect film in the mm-hmm. world. Uh, right. And I hate when people say, "Oh, Hitchcockian" and stuff like that. Don't, do them yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but it's, it's, I mean, all the little details, you know, I remember, you know, people, t- oh, there's Red in each scene. He uses these, red, and he uses things. It's like, well, yeah, that's, you know, good directors kind of, kind of do it.
0: Mm.
1: How in the hell is that the same guy yeah, right. who directed uh, The Happening? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and it's like, so I have this theory, again, Armstrong's theory of M. Night. His DP, mm-hmm. his producers, mm-hmm. walked him through that flick. Mm-hmm. He has some good, kind of cool ideas when it comes to his his, his films. Good, Interesting stories. Um, I think he's a bit better of a writer than he is a director. Um, I can agree with that. And... But there's just this... There, there is this... I mean, it's not even, you know... It's an exponential drop-off in the quality of his films, yeah. the quality of his story. Uh, and,
0: yeah, and there's also kind of like uh, a, a problem with what his interests are. Like, he... He will make uh, a a quarter, a half, or 75% of a good movie. And then there's this interest of what he needs to... You know what? I got to... I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right now. This is what he's doing. He makes a good movie. He progressively makes more and more shit, and then he's gonna make a fucking great film just so he can say what a twist.
2: <laughs> hey, look guys,
0: look at hey, my cannon. The, what, the a what a twist! There's that twist <laughs> right at the end. I hey, made you know, a good the, movie again.
1: I think the twist was, you know, uh, he produced Devil, which is actually a pretty yeah. solid film. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Devil yeah. for what it was. Um, okay. But uh, anyway, that's my theory on. Uh, uh, yeah, no, that, I that's can see my, that. My my knit. I can see that um, But, fi- yeah finally tying it back and getting to Luber.
0: yeah let's talk to, let's talk about Luber because when you mentioned this you 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 mentioned some some broad ideas yeah that i when, and I just happened to watch it uh, recently, and I was like i there's a lot to to talk about with that yeah, that's, that's interesting. interesting
1: and it's i uh, one, I think it's a movie that absolutely rewards repeat feelings I mean period. absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, i I do think that its flaws do become apparent, yeah like I said that voiceover right. uh, is just a little heavy on the exposition right. Uh,
0: well, here's the thing, you know, like, they always say, you know, uh, uh, show me, you know, it's not about right. that. But, like, how much of this, you, you know, we talk about a movie that is, it, okay, here, here's its beginning universe, and then we get a little bit of that, too, right. you know, a little bit in the future, but this universe right here, and without having a scrolling Judge Dredd type this is where we are in the world right now... I love that movie, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> Stallone I, or the Carl Urban one. I, I, I haven't seen the Carl Urban one, but I, I fucking love hate uh, the Dread, Stallone just right. one. Yeah, Dread. but <laughs> just that beginning uh, right there is is kind of like it's the worst way to start a movie that starts in the future. You're just going to have a preface. You know, hey guys, by the way, yeah. we got this.
1: Well, it's like there. you said. I mean, you have to introduce <laughs> those elements contextually throughout the narrative, and you got to do it organically, which is really, really fucking do. difficult. It's tough. It's really yeah. tough. Um, you know, there's a. Uh, you know, some of the st- my own stuff that I've written. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I've, I've done about seven screenplays myself and i I'm seven and I think I'm finally at the point where right. I'm like I have a good grasp a good that, basic grasp that's what
0: I really admire about you too just a quick aside because I mean I remember uh, you being in Strandberg's class mm-hmm. who I also interviewed he's going to be coming up soon awesome he's a, he's a really a really good conversation I have with him but um, I, I love you know uh, seeing you kind of grow too because like you know you were doing the what, what was that the uh, scripts. conversation uh, contest uh, the sky. oh the script the, frenzy yeah Screen script frenzy, frenzy. Yeah. it's just like it, 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 it um, empowers you it, it does. It, it, it kind yeah. of in, it and this was uh,
1: encourages you getting back to what we were talking about uh you know just like in the hallways in the elevator mm-hmm. is uh, last year was the first year I didn't do it yeah I had this idea for a, a movie that I had talked to La martina about um I said you know I'm, I'm thinking about the script and, and the whole idea was um to pitch it to anybody out there listening red Dawn mm-hmm. via um Day of the Dead basically or Dawn of the Dead I mean I think that that just locks in I mean it's yeah, perfect you know you've got this little town yep unbeknownst to them all the stuff starts happening with the yeah, zombies right. and then they have to run up to the to the uh, the north and whatnot it, draws, it would draw on a bunch of different things but I sat down and uh, script frenzies every April and for months I had I had notes I had notes about this and I sat down to write it and it, it, it just did not take on a Didn't life out, it yeah. did not come out and I got maybe I got the first act hammered out
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I just it 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 yeah. just deflated. And
0: what do you think? I mean, I talked a little bit about this with uh, with John Bennett. What do you think about as as a since writing is so so near and dear to you? Do you believe in the idea of uh, writing every day if you're a writer? Yes. I feel like his his reasoning was that if you write every day, at some point you're going to exhaust yourself. There's a there's a cure
1: the there's a cure to that. Uh, and there's, there's two things here. Yes, write every day, but it doesn't matter what you write. Um, I, I, I don't care if you, if you write an email, an at-length email to somebody. You know, uh, I recently reconnected with an old ex of mine on Facebook, mm-hmm. and the conversation was just so bizarre. She actually said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm not going to take the time to, to write to you what's going on in my life because I'm kind of busy, so why don't you just Facebook stalk me and figure out what you can. And I wrote this really long <laughs> diatribe about how, you know, what I could gather from her life the 16 years since we've known each other and dated, um, through the pictures, you know, and it was wordy. And I'm a, I'm a wordy guy, oh, you know, sure, and yeah. I, I write a lot and I type a lot, but, right. but that, in my opinion, is writing something for the day. Yeah. But the cure for the exhaustion there is something that Ernest Hemingway, I believe it was Hemingway, actually said, was you get into this zone where you have this momentum, stop halfway through it. Because um, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, two script frenzies ago, I had a ton of stuff going on, and literally it came down to the wire, you know, the whole idea is to write, you know, a hundred page script in 30 days. Right. Right. Um, I just had a lot of going on that April, and I, I, I wasn't able to spend enough time getting all my shit together. Um, I cranked out a script, 120 pages, four days. <laughs> it's shit, don't get me wrong, but I got it done, I got it done in four days. And what carried me through that was once I'd hit my stride for the day, I would maybe give myself one more page, and then I would stop, so that I, eager to pick it up the next day, and just roll with it. And once you get into that habit, it's fantastic how much you can get accomplished when it comes to writing. Um, in my opinion, that's great. Um, and I don't remember how we got tracked off of don't Looper know. again, but, this, but Looper. Let's but go back. Oh, to contextually, yeah, introducing yeah. 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 those those elements contextually, <coughs> yes. organically mm-hmm. in the narrative. Fine. And I honestly think that you could probably watch Looper without that voiceover. Mm-hmm. And you're still going to completely understand and what's you'll, going. Get it, yeah. you'll get it, You'll get it. But the more I've watched it, and uh, again, I, I have to remark, I don't think you, I've communicated effectively how much you're doing this podcast. It has actually kind of compelled me to try and actually get back to That's awesome, man. the craft of what I like doing, you know, the filmmaking and writing and all this That's kind great. of stuff. That's good. Um, listening to the podcast and then sitting there watching Loop for hours, <laughs> Uh, you know, it's just like sitting there thinking, okay, let's let's shift into kind of analysis. What's going on here? Yeah. And uh, the second or third time I watched it, my, you know, my wife hadn't seen it, and I'd went out and bought the Blu Ray, and we sat down and watched it. And it was right after uh, Newtown in, in Connecticut, and um, me being, I think, quite maybe, well, no, none if you've had Strandberg and a couple others on. I was going to say, I think I'm probably one of your oldest guests on. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> um, sure. Being thirty five and not having any kids of my own as we talk, but right. Uh, you know, I. Th- I mean, this is just horrible, and I and I don't mean to be so heavy on your podcast because it is kind of it's kind of light usually, right. and right. um, you have a lot of fun, but.
0: But it's super, it's super important too. I mean, like there's this point in. in you are at a you were at a breaking
1: and, point, and it's like right. I, it's been on my mind lately. I think is it's been heavily on my mind lately. Right. What I think is the point I'm trying to make, and and, uh, you know, I'm I'm sitting there exploring what what Johnson's trying to say and any anything that he might be trying to say or do throughout Looper. Uh, you know, there's, we can sit here and talk about. Uh, identity, for example, as a, sure. as a main theme, you know, and, and, you know, what decisions lead you to X, Y, Z and who you become in the, in the past, and, you know, can you, you know, what good is hindsight, you know what I mean, and and I think that's a very literal exploration of, you know, I can go back and change this and whatnot. Right. Uh, and they eschew all of the, the details, the paradoxes and stuff like that, which I think is appropriate, you know what right. I mean, but, um, you know, but there's this wonderful, wonderful line that Emily Blunt, Emily Blunt says, uh, her character Sarah, and, I, and honestly, I can't remember, I have to paraphrase it, but She's lying in bed, uh, you know, she's been doing a little TK thing, and Mm -hmm. pieces are kind of coming together. Um, And, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is sitting there, and they're talking, and she's explaining how when she came back uh, for Sid and all that stuff, and she she has this wonderful line where she says, you know, being in the city, you see all these, you know, basic, empty, miserable young men. And it got me thinking, you know, something that was weighing on my mind, you talk about these mass violence and these shootings and stuff. What's the one common theme? People are looking at movies, video games, this and that. No one has explored the fact that it's all young white men. Sure. Yeah. What is going on with young white men in this country? in, gen- We'll say in this country because, you know, obviously there's nuances and differences, mm-hmm. you know, stuff. But what's going on there that, that, that is really, you know, affecting them to this? And right. I'm sure there's... A ton of different things we could get into.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But it struck me that I think if there if there is something prolific in Looper, and it might not be something even that Johnson is trying to be overt about, and uh, you know, it could just be one of those kind of, you know, subtextual elements that that as he's writing is pouring out, he's not quite, you know, getting a hold of, you know, it's it's not a conscious effort basically is what I'm getting saying, is that he makes some pretty bold statements in that flick. Um, Absolutely. You know about th- the nature of uh, disasters like this. I mean, what happens when when the rainmaker in the future goes off right. and murders mm-hmm. hundreds of people? You know what I mean. Yeah. So that's a mass killing right yeah. there. You know, and where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's worth looking into. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Um, I, I think he makes some very bold statements about. Uh, and I don't even think that they're necessarily conservative values that he's talking yeah. about to return to, right um, but when you look at Sarah and Sid, they live mm. on a farm
0: yeah
1: they're not in the shit city you know yeah. with all right. the new technology yeah. uh, she's got small banged up farming equipment that she mm-hmm. uses um so there's kind of this blending of the worlds that obviously comes crashing down when you know uh Levitt and yeah. will show up yeah um but i think it's i i think it's
0: it's interesting to see that kind of like <clears throat> that trajectory, because when you said that, um, I was conscious of it watching Sid Sid's story in Looper, but it also occurred to me, kind of what I always I always kind of relate sociopolitically. I always relate what my experience growing up was, Sure. as most people would. I mean, yeah. but I am a white male. You're a white male, and we're probably the ones that. Would uh, that this, this topic is about? But I also think about the cinema of, of loneliness, mm. how you're mirroring the type of people that might be a Travis Bickle. Sure. You know what I mean? So you have a, a character in Taxi Driver that that, whatever happened to him growing up, you know, you, I'm not even sure if it's completely clear. He's right. got a family, but he lives in the city. It's almost like he's emotionally orphaned, even if he's sure. not a real orphan. So that <clears throat> that type of person that he is as a middle-aged male is so alone in a fucking city <clears throat> that's so populated. So no matter how many people are around him, he is right. He, he's isolated, yeah. You know, sheltered, <clears throat> yeah. But it's by his own doing, I mean, to a large extent. Absolutely. absolutely. So, uh, you know, and and the reason I relate to Taxi Driver is because he he pushes himself to a a violent outburst. Mm. And I don't think that he ever has someone like Emily Blunt's character trying to understand him and trying trying to temper temper his fear. Right. Whereas uh, someone, you know, I'm not, I, you, you could talk at length about the the psychological reasons of Newtown and the people right, right. that do violence like that. But uh, there's something to be said, yeah, there is something to be said in Looper that there has to be a, a breaking of the pattern. Right. That Sid has to be... The breaking of the pattern, right? Uh, combo breaker.
1: No, there's the yeah, it, um, absolutely. I mean, and like I said, uh, you know, Sid is a wreck. I mean, the kids a wreck. Yeah. Until Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character comes yeah. into the picture. Yeah. And again, I think there's a very bold statement on there on family dynamics. Sure. I won't say traditional mm-hmm. values, quote unquote, because you know that gets too far into the right. political side of things. Right. Right. Um,
0: but i think it's a very important thing to to to, to mention that you know uh, it, it's it, it can it can be debated but the the question of having two parents right uh, not necessarily always traditional male female right. but having two parents to raise you is a very interesting reason why we have that right you know in our in our just in our physiology in right, the, right right the, sure the,
1: and it, and it's very it's 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 very we're very conscious of it I mean it's it's not yeah. something that you know is 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 subconsciously mm-hmm. floating around back there you mm-hmm. know there is this kind of awareness that uh, it seems to take two you yeah. know and expanding upon that uh, it, it, it doesn't necessarily I think just take two it ta- it's, it's that old adage it takes a village and yeah um you know I was having this conversation with a, another friend of mine who lives up in Pittsburgh who has a one-year-old um, and uh, I was having this IM yesterday because I was doing some color correction and I was bored out of my freaking mind mm-hmm. um, and we started talking and and he he's kind of pretentious as well um, but he, he's a musician and he's he's really good when it comes to music fantastic that's his passion yeah that's awesome but when it kind of drifts out from that circle uh, it, it, and I hate to be so dismissive of his attitudes and stuff like that but uh, he'll, he'll put out like the like the most kind of General statements like I remember, I think we were talking about drive,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and about how he didn't like it. Yep. And I, you know, I, I, he was like, I understood what they were trying to do with the long takes. Oh really? Well, yeah, yeah. Why don't you explain yeah. it to me? Right. <laughs> you know, so, but <clears throat> we had this conversation. He he has a one year old boy, and he, you know, again, just as much as I hate to say this because he's my friend, has kind of shifted into parent mode where I have kids, you don't this is the way things are you know like this is the watching them yes you're gaining this insight into how a person can develop and whatnot uh my other friend who lives in wheaton has two boys as well um although he's not quite as shitty as well i won't say shitty but <laughs> he doesn't come across as quite so condescending at times uh when it comes to his boys um but my buddy from pittsburgh is like you know we were talking about i, he, I told him i was coming on the podcast and, and whatnot and he said that uh uh, which is probably going to come back to bite me in the ass. Uh, Dave, sorry, you were being shitty yesterday. Because <laughs> um, I will put it out there that, hey, guys, look, I did Greg's podcast. Um, but at any rate... Um, preemptive apologies. Right, not even preemptive. <laughs> yeah, it's not even preemptive. Uh, yesterday I was sitting here reading some of the stuff he was eyeing and I'm like, ugh, all right. Because he's, he's rehashing the same old arguments, you know, uh, uh, violent video games and this right. and that, and, and specifically first-person shooters right. and the militaristic style mm-hmm. are purely cu- are very culpable, and, and I'm sure, Yes. That's an element Mm -hmm. but then he starts going on about how you know what uh my son always used to sit in his chair to eat his food and that was never a problem until he saw a kid stand up on the chair and now we can't get him to sit back down Uh so yes you know there's these ideas that you know kids develop this way and they mimic what they see and whatnot yeah again i think i've kind of drifted off into other territory here but um it's appropriate but uh you know i think what what is also interesting about Looper in that terms of those those values in those context is um I, I don't necessarily think that it's it's a commentary on uh poor parenting necessarily right um i think there's a lot of redemptive uh st- like kind of stories and subtext going on in that and it, and it is largely i feel a, a movie about redemption um and she, you know, Sarah's trying to to get st- to help, Sid and to do the right thing and whatnot. She, you know, was all shitty before, uh, going out, horning it up or whatever. Um, but she's trying to do right by the kid. You know what I mean? She's trying to do right by her sister. She's trying to do right by the kid. Um, things don't kind of start to fall into place until Joseph Gordon Levitt's character shows up. I don't think that's a commentary on bad single parenting and how destructive that can or cannot be right and specifically and I say that specifically because what happens to Joseph Gordon-Levitt he's in the picture and then he's out so as profound as it may be a commentary on these traditional kind of ideas of you know uh, two people involved in the you know two, two mentors two two uh I, w- I don't want to. I don't want to limit to mother and father, but that's just the easiest way to, to explain well, go it going off. Well,
0: it's 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 interesting that you look at it that way because someone could a- absolutely also look at it as um, even though Joseph Gordon Levitt is there as a as a almost a, a, a weird father figure, but he's also there um, as a, as a firewall, as a he- protector to the shittiness of the city as uh, the shittiness right. of of his world the shittiness of gangsterism and right. and crime and a guy who's willing to kill children which is yeah very shocking if you really think about it Man, a guy that's willing to kill children for his own selfish that
1: scene was yeah.
0: that's like that scene was
1: was powerful i really thought mm-hmm. um and uh, I, and i say powerful in the sense that uh i think some of the techniques employed actually w- with that scene were actually pretty fairly standard what yeah. you would expect from a scene like sure. that sure. um the cutaway and yeah it. uh you know, mm-hmm. you know kid kind of looking up and whatnot and right. seeing the strange man and, um,
0: but like you think about willis's motivations like at some point you're really rooting for willis and then at some point you're not at yeah. some point he's he is uh, he's am- amazingly badass and you're lo- you're loving that he's willing to do this for this beautiful woman who changed his life. Right. And, and it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful Then idea. you
1: see the lengths that he's going to do this. The
0: willing what he's willing to do right. and you're like this is evil. This right. is fucking evil. And to have uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character the younger version of him realize That he has to break the pattern, break the chain. Right. Because he he doesn't want to become that, regardless of this woman that changed his life in the future. Right. He doesn't want to be a fucking child killer. No. And this kid right here, as he sees sees with Sid, is that he's incredibly vulnerable and able to be incredibly sensitive. Mm -hmm. It's just that... It's just the fear, the fear when it ta- overtakes him, the anger yeah. that overtakes him, and I think you know, just Gordon Levitt sees the sensitivity and the and the vulnerability in this kid. His mother sees what she needs to do. This understanding, it's not that it's one hundred percent going to stop the Rainmaker from doing what right. it's going to do, but it gives him a fighting chance to be, uh, to find love in his life to, uh, to have a life in life. And love that's why, why I life.
1: say I think it's a th- there's a it is a story, I think, mainly of redemption, yep. uh, and and not only kind of. I mean, that's the the most obvious part of it. You know, you're yep. you're stop hopefully, like you said, stopping this kid from becoming this horrible, destructive force. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've also got this, what I think is a really fantastic arc yep. for Joseph Gordon Levitt's character, um, and it's it the way that the arc is presented is fantastic. And yep. you just touched upon that. You said, you know, he sees what he's going to become, and you know, how is that worth it? He goes from this selfish, really selfish kind of self-centered character. You know, and, and, but then he, 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 like you said, there's this, this recognizance, there's this, there's mm-hmm. this, oh no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm cool doing my drugs and, and you know, right, fucking right. around and stuff like right. that, and, and I'm okay with killing gangsters.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that's kind of part of the world I was raised in, but, you know, there's this kid, yeah. you know, and, and this, this, is, this is horrible <laughs> and this is tragic. And that's, I think, where things get very overt in what in uh, some of those themes that are going on, so you in the you film.
0: you see, <clears throat> you see kind of a traditional family structure D-Z? in the film. Mm-hmm. I do, um, or or is it, mm. is it is it it's at the end of the day, it's not saying that it's necessary. No, but it's
1: saying that that there's value in it. Value in it. That right. there's certainly value in it. And right. it's funny because uh, right it was either right before or right after I saw Looper, actually it might have been before. Um, I was listening to NPR, uh, and much like um, uh, Tui, I I I have a really short drive to work. I mean, I I literally work eight miles from my house, so it's you know twelve twenty minutes. Um, I hate the radio. Yeah. <laughs> so I listen to NPR a lot. Yeah. And they were discussing how uh, you know there's been this this long kind of epidemic almost of you know absent fa- absentee fathers and sure. stuff like that, um, and. They're finding that the father figure, apparently, when, when they're studied, doing studies and stuff, they're finding that the father figure, in many instances, is, I don't want to say more important to a kid's development, but is drastically more important than what they thought. They're not trivializing the mother's side of it sure. or um, the other partner's sure. side of it, but they're simply saying that...
0: I, I wouldn't I wouldn't dare, but to say that like I'm not I'm not the masculine version of a feminist but as far as genders go and gender roles go I think that it's been consistently underrated and underwhelmed Mm -hmm. what kind of things the male presence and it's it's extremely extremely tragic right and sad for people that don't have fathers Absolutely. same same thing as i imagine not having not a mother, a mother. It's well, and
1: i think what this kind of comes down to is largely uh kids don't understand context yeah kids th- they don't i'm sorry they and it's 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 one of those things where you know it's like your brain doesn't stop growing until like you're 24. right it's legitimate you know legitimately verified you know kids don't understand context until a certain age
2: yeah.
1: um and when you think about violence uh
2: Something as innocent as Toy
1: Story. Right, right, right. You know? Right. Uh, Woody, this is a point that another friend of mine made. Woody beats the living shit out of Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, yeah. And a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a six-year-old isn't going to understand the context.
0: Um, That's interesting. I've never thought... I've thought about this, but I didn't know that's where you were going with this. This this is opening my mind to something.
1: There's this... Yeah. You can say, okay... uh, I'm trying to think of a of a better example of a better like you know hero or something like that. Right. Um, but I think in the simplest terms, a Disney movie or something like that, or a Pixar movie, you know Woody, you know, and beats the piss out of Buzz when he first shows up. Doesn't like him. You know, bullies him, vilifies him, all this kind of stuff. And a kid <coughs> d- d- doesn't understand that, that that those things you know again are in con- and contextually. There's a reason for them. All they're seeing is this guy that they like, this funny, you know, character, beating the piss out of another one for for whatever reason. They they don't care. They don't matter, mm-hmm. you know. And then getting back to my other friend said, then they're standing up on on the chair because they've mm-hmm. seen it before,
2: mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm.
1: So you have to be. There has to be that guidance, and and that's what that's where I think, uh, you know, th- that getting back to the the family kind of structure. That's what, that's what parents are there for, in my opinion, uh, largely, is to contextualize the world around them. Y- there are hard lessons to learn in the world. Kids are going to learn them on their own, a lot of them. You don't stand up on the chair because you're going to fall down and hurt yourself. You know what I mean? H- how do you kind of contextualize that? You know, you can sit there and explain time and time again to a one-year-old. You have to sit down because you're going to fall down and hurt yourself. Until mm-hmm. they've actually fallen down, they yep. don't understand that. Yep. I got my ass beat a lot in middle school, you know. <laughs> I've been in my fair share of fights. Right. I know what it feels to have the piss beaten out of me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. It's a horrible thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean. Yeah. Empathy goes a long way, yep. and you, and a little humility goes a long way. And you have to have those figures in your life to contextualize it. That's true. To 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 add that to say, hey, you it's know.
0: That's true. S- I think I think about all the th- the the violence that I saw in uh, movies, that I saw in in news coverage. Um, anytime. You know, I remember distinctly even a, uh, a time uh, on the bus driving to school, and we went past this shopping center, and another school bus had been in an accident. Mm. And there was this body-shaped <clears throat> mass with a white uh, sheet over yeah. it. And I, we were stopped because we couldn't get through. We were stopped. And it was long enough for us to just dwell on what this is. And this person, like the sheet goes up to where the head would be and then darts down. Someone got decapitated, and there is blood everywhere. All over the place. So I don't know if that was someone on the bus or if that was someone that got hit or whatever. But you see that at that age and outside of context or out, uh, uh, Rambo outside of context or any sort of violence outside of context, I think you're right. I think it would be a very difficult to argue empathy for someone that doesn't have that, right. doesn't have that context. And, I,
1: and yeah. in, in thinking about the, these issues kind of sparked off in my, uh, with Looper, um, you know, I've, I've always argued that basically uh, – and this might be a bit of a leap fight club for example mm-hmm. is basically the current generation's um, catcher in the rye
0: absolutely yeah. i
1: mean and here's yeah. the thing
0: disillusioned is,
1: yeah like you listen to so many people talk about holden caulfield and stuff and it's yeah. like and how much the, oh he's a great character no he's not a great character i'm yeah. sorry holden Caulfield's yeah. shit. he's a piece of
2: shit yeah. he's
0: there to be pitied
2: yeah, yeah
1: you know you look at ed norton's character uh-huh no mm-hmm. you're not supposed to like him he is to be pitied right you know right right that I think is very profound, young white men who once had everything, yeah, you know, and this is as much a commentary on white privilege as anything yeah, else absolutely now they're there to be pitied,
0: yeah
1: and it it that that's huge to people that to to people who have never known that you know and i and I also think back to the uh you know cinema of the nineties uh in in l a and stuff spikely i uh, not um What's what I'm looking, What's the movie I'm looking for? Ice cubes in it. I'm drawing a complete
0: blank. Uh, like uh, uh, Menace Society and Boys in the Hood.
1: Yeah, Boys in the Hood, Menace mm. Society. You you have this really interest. I I think there's there's this really interesting opportunity to look back at okay, because in the '90s it was oh, What's wrong with young black men? Yeah. Why are they killing each other? Yeah. And what happened? Oh, it's the gangster rap. Uh, right, oh, it's right, the right, right, right. oh, it's the drug culture. Oh, it's the hip hop. It's the same mm. damn thing. And I'm yeah. I'm not saying that you know. That in the late '90s, all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, we have the cure. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've right. cured young right. black on black violence. Because right. no, no. Let's be honest. But,
0: <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting too. Because like you look at it, um, this this uh, again, the cinema of lon- loneliness, cinema of a du- disillusioned man. I think people see what's popular, what's pop culture, and they miss the point. It's just like how uh, Scarface is thought of as this great rebellious thing. Do you remember how it ends? Che Guevara.
1: Yeah. Oh my God, are you kidding
0: me? How many people did Che Guevara kill? Yeah. yeah. You
1: know, he killed homosexuals, you know, all kinds of stuff. I mean, and yet you see him on shirts on the fucking corner. It's like, V for Vendetta. Yeah. Guy Fox was a yeah. fucking terrorist yeah, yeah.
0: who wanted to implement yeah. a fascist state yeah. and this again gets to a point of, of mythology where people take what they want and cut away the rest yeah. so where you have Scarface and they take away what they want the yes. rebellious culture they do the same thing with Fight Club. They take uh, you know the idea of a strong fucking group of dudes that they forget the point uh, point of a uh, of the of the last third, which they become a terrorist organization. Right. You know, <laughs> and it's it's amazing to me. And you know, yeah. and you
1: what has become painfully obvious to me at least uh, in the days in the months since Newtown is the media's role in all this. Now, I, oh. I I cannot lay. I I won't lay. I think it's un- inconceivable. Inconce- I don't
2: Inconceivable.
1: <laughs> that people lay the blame solely on the the media or yeah. video games or you yeah. uh, know the NRA or whoever. But here's the thing.
0: Very, very complicated
1: it, issue. If it really is. If, if you look at the way the shooters are treated in the media, mm-hmm. it gets back to exactly what you're saying. Yes. People are taking away what yeah. they want to see. Well,
0: this cornerstone of civilization in a weird way has been the way to judge something it's never been you know what you know what the problem is once you have the Holocaust or you have the Salem witch trials or whatever uh, some violent outburst Timothy McVeigh whatever Mm. you have people wanting to understand and when they understand they have to put an essay to it they have to put a narrative to it and then when it gets to the end they 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 put their stamp of judgment and say that's what that is. Right. I was watching uh, maybe last year or the year before. I was uh, I was watching a lot of Holocaust TV and and movies and reading Holocaust books books about the Holocaust. Was about that by too. choice or was that just out curiosity? For some reason, for some reason, I've always been fascinated with not only. Jewish history but that particular time in the 20th century. Gotcha. And uh, especially, I, I was reading an article about Shoah, that nine-hour documentary mm-hmm. about the Holocaust. And uh, I was watching it and uh, I, at the time, I was there was a bunch of stuff on Netflix streaming about, it was like brought to you by the Shoah organization and all this stuff. And I was watching these interviews with people that were either at the, uh, um, the Holocaust Museum mm-hmm. or were from Israel and they were talking to kids teaching them and and showing them documentaries about the Holocaust. And the thing that struck me is this conversation that someone from the Shoah Institute had with these children that were talking about the Holocaust, and they were kind of giving generic answers of, yeah, it's really terrible. It's horrible what happened to them. I can't believe this happened to the Jews. How many were killed? Millions of people were killed? And they were giving, almost regurgitating what they've read in books or what has been said. And uh, the guy from the show institute says uh, you know what's important is not understanding because when you understand then you, you uh, your sensitivity is toned down, you're desensitized to <laughs> the horribleness and you say well if another genocide happens, what happens in Rwanda or right. what's hap- ha- what, what happened or in or Liberia it or anything yeah. oh that's why you have understanding And once you have understanding, the decrepit horror of it isn't there anymore. Oh, we understand the Nazis. We understand uh, Adolf Hitler. Mm. We understand uh, anybody that was involved with the SS. Because, oh, it makes sense. The final solution, that makes sense. So to me, the complicated issue of understanding violence that's brought on by media and brought on by, every time they say it's violent video games or movies, I start thinking about what is there to understand it's a complicated issue involved with gun violence uh psychosis
2: mm.
0: society sure it's there the aspects elements and when we try to understand it it's fine to to understand it to try to be progressive in trying to change things sure. you know we need to we need to uh deal with certain mm-hmm. things we need to but when we start to say that we understand the purveyor of the violence, if it's not psychosis, right, then we start saying, "Oh, it's, oh, it's this." Other we We have to write this narrative. We have to write this narrative. They,
1: this narrative they said the most ridiculous thing on uh, CNN, and, and I'll just throw it out there. Like I'm as literal as they come, but I don't yep. watch any of the frigging news stations. Yeah, yeah. But well, on CNN. Sensationalism is what it is. Know, on sure. CNN, they were they were talking about video games. Mm-hmm. One video games, the Connecticut shooter played, and they talked about Starcraft. Yeah. Fucking Fuck out of here, StarCraft. Right? <laughs> I, I felt like I, Alan Iverson. <laughs> you know, we're talking about StarCraft. You know? Yeah. When you talk about modern warfare, yeah. StarCraft. This is a game that's been likened to chess. Exactly. It's a cornerstone of Korea's yeah. economy. You know what I mean? Yeah. South Korea's economy. StarCraft. StarCraft. And, uh, well, and it's funny that you bring up this this, this distinction of of uh, not understanding and yeah. I think that's very important and it, it, it
0: it's maybe understanding the, the the violence and the horribleness of what happened but not trying to uh, understand to the point where we we desensitize and judge and then write off yes you know I understand that that's what happened. Oh, I, I don't even have to watch the news story. I know what happened. There's a white guy, you know, with some guns. I know what happened. You know, we get yeah. to that point. And you know what? Film is actually, like, uh,
1: very prolific, and what it has to say about that is No Country for Old Men.
0: Absolutely. Oh, The absolutely. whole beginning and
1: end, the absolutely. monologues there, in particular in the beginning when uh, Tommy Lee Jones mm-hmm. is talking about, um, you know, his father mm-hmm. being a lawman, and there's this wonderful, wonderful uh, statement there when he says that... Um, you know, his father says, you know, I, I can't be a part of that world. Yep. I've seen things change. I've seen how yep. violent people got. You know, this this kid killed this 14-year-old girl, shows no remorse for yeah. it. I would do it again. Yep. You know what I mean? And he's like, yeah. I would have to acknowledge that this world exists.
0: Yep. Absolutely. He- I don't think that people – I think some people who saw that movie didn't even uh, – I, I remember people saying, I didn't get that ending. Or I, I didn't like that movie because of that. A lot of people, yeah. You know, you, you're getting these vignettes – of of Chigurh killing people, and they're like, man, this is fucking awesome. And right. then when He's you like, get to kind Tommy of Lee Jones, point. You're, missi- <laughs> you're missing this overall kind of like uh, doctrine on violence. Yeah. And it's 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 prolific. You're now, right.
1: Now I, I think that in <clears throat> in my opinion, one of the one of the main themes of that movie is just simply that evil exists. Yeah. You can't necessarily do anything he about it. You can't do anything about you know, it. I mean, it's he gets happen. into
0: a car accident and at the end, he's still alive. Right. You know what but
1: I mean? It's, but it's exactly what you were talking about. Yeah. Is that you, you would have to access, you would have to engage in that world Yes. in order to become passive about it. Yes. And Tommy Lee Jones and his father, yes. They don't exactly. want to be dismissive of that.
0: Exactly. And
1: de- and this exactly. is this is a quality that I don't necessarily, I don't want to say is completely absent from uh, the the younger generations because I can't I can't make that judgment because people kind of said that stuff about my generation, I'm sure. sure you know what sure. I mean? Um, there are good people out there. We could do as much as possible. <coughs> we could dig into it. We could find out what's what's causing young white men to do this kind of stuff. Right. We could sit there and we could we could repeal the Second Amendment. Yep. We we could do all these different things, right or wrong. Yep. You know, um, and this is still going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have these isolated mm-hmm. incidents, yeah um because evil exists mm-hmm. yes it, it does yeah. um,
0: not a lot of people you know w- without getting uh, you know the the thing is, is that. The reason that this could go on for hours and days, this conversation, is because Mm. of how (laughs) political it is and how many people... I I just had a a recent discussion with my girlfriend about culture and American culture versus European culture, Asian culture, and just the cultures around the world. And and they're so informed by religion, Mm. uh, the society around them, their social values. And American culture has a certain definition to it that allows for... The kind of rebellious hero, the w- w- the Western it's ideal. It's ingrained. It's ingrained in ingrained American culture. History, yeah, yeah you know what I mean? absolutely. And going back, yeah, to our history exactly. From where once we once we sprang is where it, it starts. We start with a rebellion. We start with right. a revolution. And you know what to and go on again in context. Yeah.
1: Fine. Mm-hmm. Um. One. One of my. New Year's resolutions this year was just to take an hour every day to do something that I like to do but generally don't find the time to do. Reading, writing, watching movies, yeah. uh, because honestly, I can't tell you the last time I saw yeah. like a movie in the theater, yeah. um, which sucks because, you know, anyway. Um, doing all this stuff, and uh, <laughs> I was in the bookstore one day, uh, picking up a Jim Butcher novel, which uh, y- you like noir. If you like noir, have you read any of the Dresden Chronicles?
0: Uh, no, but it's on the top of my list. I Dude, so go want, it. To they, want to for uh, it. P- the first two, first mm-hmm. one's really good. Second
1: one, meh. The third one is where like the the larger world yeah. becomes apparent yeah. stuff, and there's the, all the ramifications oh, of it. Yeah, just, it's been a, it's been like at the top
0: of my list. Um,
1: I will also put in a plug there for Richard, uh, crap, what's his name? Altered Carbon. The is the book's called Altered Carbon. Uh, again, sci-fi noir. Awesome nice. main character. Nice. At any rate, I look, I'm going to the bookstore and I see uh, Howard Zinn's The History of the American People's And mm-hmm. instantly, of course, I'm thinking of Good yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you know, I yeah. don't read books like that. Yeah. I have actively eschewed nonfiction mm-hmm. in my life because I just really don't like it that yeah. much.
0: It, yeah. it conjures up too much. It's it, and, and even it's then, then, you know. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, and also, from a so- sociological perspective, so many people have a problem with that simply because of. Who's telling the the stories? Yes. It's always the, the, yeah. you know, the victor writes. Yeah, the victor. The victor. The victor writes the, the victor, or whatever. A, yeah.
1: But um, but I picked it up and I started reading some of it, mm-hmm. and and it is exactly exactly what you would think. Is yeah, uh, you know, it's is his very first the very first uh, chapter is you know about the uh, Spaniards' conquest of uh, South America and yeah. stuff like that, and it's it's brutal and um, we're uh, crap, where are we going with this?
0: <laughs> well, the dismissiveness and passiveness of violence, <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: And and um, I'm am f- fine with I, I'm fine with kind of th- these ideas that you know we started as as these antiheroes and stuff like that you know but yeah. look at it in <coughs> t- in today's in, in the context of today's society mm-hmm. um, there's not a need for that in my opinion sure yes there isn't a need there is a need to buck the establishment from time to time to preserve. Uh, you know the dignity and the rights of people, sure. and to to come through for your brothers and your sisters yes. when 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 it needs to be done. Uh-huh. The fact of the matter is, uh, nobody needs armed conflict.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, at this point, nobody yep. needs to run into a mall and shoot people and yep. you know, stuff like this. And I I realize we're painting with very you know kind of broad, broad terms, terms and yeah, stuff yeah, like right. this, but um, the fact of the matter is, it's different these days. It, it it just is. I mean, I, I, we can sit here and we can talk about the you know basically you know the the myths if you want to say of American history and stuff like that. Um, if you want to put it in that kind of context, you know the revolution, this and that. You can go back to World War Two and you were talking about Holocaust. Yeah. I I don't mean to sound like a prick. I have not watched a movie about World War Two in years yeah yeah. specifically because i've just gotten tired of it that's it it. you You know the
0: same thing with world war ii video games there was a time when every fucking thing that came out that was a first person shooter was about world war ii and and i'm done with it it's like so the holocaust horrible horrible tragedy yeah
1: horrible yeah you know Mm -hmm. um i'm not being dismissive of it yeah take the lessons from it yeah go move forward man you know what i mean like
0: I think the context is uh, again, you know, con- context, context, context. When you when you talk about the the lessons of of history, and I'm such a historical person, I love I love history. But Good, because like, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's the thing. Like to me, it it I I I can see your opinion uh my opinion is very very close to that i enjoy like a certain uh sometimes uh um, vacationing in it and visiting it sure and i think context people again think getting back to to media versus reality people have a problem with there are these two buttons, reality and and fantasy. And, and, fantasy. Mm-hmm. and if fantasy looks like reality, they will not be able to unpress that button with judgments of violence yes for instance with violent video games they say okay you cannot turn that off in a kid you can't turn right. that off in in people who are our age excuse me our generations uh, were the first video game generations and they don't think that we could play a violent video game but be a pacifist or be someone that is critical of real violence right. I know that shooting a bunch of pixels is not shooting a man right so So to me, uh, there is a, a, a chasm between those two things. Recently, I interviewed uh, um, Brendan Keogh, and he wrote this book about Spec Ops the Line. Now, Spec Ops the Line is a, a, a traditional first-person shooter, mm-hmm. but it has a lot to say about violence and, mm-hmm. in it. The violence that you do to the people in the game. You're in this you know, Arab country. You're killing uh, Arab people. K- killing brown people. Kill- Another
1: killing American- brown
0: people. Historical American yeah, pastime. <laughs> American fast time, <laughs> but uh, in that game, uh, just like in most military games, you would think that uh, the people that you kill, both soldiers and the runoff, the the, uh, what, the collateral damage. damage uh, <laughs> wouldn't have a face or a voice but these people are given a face and a voice and you see the people that you're killing in this game. Mm. You, you, Up front you see the people, even the unarmed people that you kill in the game and at the end of the game there's a, a real uh, doctrine, there's a real uh, testament of the type of violence that this guy has gone through that he's become a monster mm. and to a certain point uh, he he dies either physically or Emotionally, spiritually, spiritually. So, to me, that's when you talk about a piece of uh, media, you play that, and you are aware of the disconnect between you're not really killing someone, but you're in a in a in a simulation sure. killing someone. Uh, that again, those buttons need to be pressed on yeah. where you're where you fall because it's easily that someone from the outside looking in especially someone in some fucking committee in DC would say oh if someone's going to play that violent video game you're killing people it's extremely it, it, there's blood everywhere and everything you're blowing people up that's probably going to make that kid want to go do that I I, it was I had hazard. this
1: uh, debate years ago online <clears throat> with um just on a forum, and it ended up unbeknownst to me. Excerpts of this and it excerpts of like my statements or whatever ended wow. up getting pulled into an article that, uh, for a video game magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the most prolific point that the guy wanted to harp well, I don't even say prolific because I didn't think it was that yeah, yeah. prolific, but the guy was like, This is mind blowing. I never thought about it this way. It was I was like, How many people. On the hill, do you think yeah. go home every night and sit down and play a video yeah, game? Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. You know, what you're arguing is, is, is uh, you know, I, I'm in full agreement yeah. with. There's this distinction between fantasy and, and reality. And for some reason, people of a certain, I don't want to say generation because I don't think that's entirely true. Yeah. People of a certain mindset uh, who I think have always been leery of that, that chasm that you're talking about. Uh, and how easily it may be for some people to jump over to one side and then not be able to cross back you know, to the other side of that chasm they're so, they're so paranoid about this when the fact of the matter is that it, and I think you speak to it, our generation I think understands that chasm more than any other <laughs> generation and all we're seeing are the recycling of old arguments yeah. you know, this is how they treated comic books, yeah. movies
0: oh yeah, you know, trashy, yeah trashy stuff
1: yeah. pulp, you know mm-hmm. pulp, yeah all of it. This is this is the, the common rigmarole that, that has yeah. to be dealt with before something well, gained, gains that broader acceptance <coughs> in terms of uh, the critical uh, mm-hmm. audience, I think, mm-hmm. basically.
0: Again, you know, people saying... Uh, th- they're seeing uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto in, in, a, in a news report or they're seeing uh, an article written about it and, uh, again, you have this dismissiveness of it. Oh, I have judged that. I have figured that out. I've defined it next. Right. So now, when someone sees just a guy jumping out of a car or or punching someone and getting into a car in a in a video game little clip, they're like, "I know what that is. Violent video oh, yeah, it's, games. It's terrible. Violent it's, video it's games. terrible." So again, I go back to context though, because I don't want to be someone that absolutely says it never does. Because oh, now no, we absolutely. now we have to also be extremely uh, aware. Of the give and take, just like you would if you were going to get into a big uh, uh, conversation about uh, cyberpunk or simulacra and simulacrum. (laughs) The thing that we simulate has become the reality, you know, that we prefer. You know, art influencing life, life exactly. Art. exactly. So you, it's, you, a,
1: it's so intertwined. You know what you need? You need the JGL firewall. That's, that's <laughs> you need the firewall. Content. You need the guy
0: that keeps. It. Yeah, <laughs> you need someone that keeps the the, the 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 terrible reality out. But yeah, no, that's the thing about um, violent media is that it's both a mirror, but it's also a cause, in some way. It's got to be some. We have to take into a yeah, fact that there's an awareness.
1: Every, every idea has to be on the table with this type yeah. of thing, which is what I've yeah. what i what I've been arguing since, you know, because uh, I, like I said before, I'm I, as liberal as they call it. Sure. I mean, sure. I, I believe universal health care for everybody. Sure. I think. Education should be mm-hmm. free up to you know.
0: That's insane. First, you sound like a communist. I know. Like it's communist. <laughs> um, I know
1: I, you know because in my opinion, the two things that you need in this life to to, to have a good life are knowledge and health.
0: Absolutely.
1: You know without Absolutely. without those, mm-hmm. uh, I think that this would
0: be a pretty bleak, bleak yes. existence. Yes. But um, yes, when you think about it in perspective, when you were in it, when you were going to school, did you ever think? It's interesting that our lives are dominated by education for 21 22 years all right when you're in it you're like i don't want to go to this fucking class i don't want to do this i hated high school (laughs) but you think about a quarter of our lives are devoted to education and hopefully all of our lives are devoted to education but it's it's interesting that that is our civilization and it's it's a it's one thing that I would never want to change. Right. I would want there. All, I, I agree. I think there should be free education. The education part is so such an important thing about context Absolutely. and shaping and, and, the and type again, of people we are.
1: It, it's one of those things that informs your world as you're Absolutely. growing up and and, yeah. and provides you the appropriate structure and kind of just literally the the, the rigorous. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say logic, but the, you know the 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 sh- those structures to how to live your life. It is a part of of everything of development yep. and. Uh, that's why, you know, like I said, uh, I won't sit here and tell you that guns are are the solution.
2: Right.
1: Um, again, as liberal as they come, I don't think the assault weapons ban is going to do dick. Yeah. I'm sure. not going to lie. Sure. You know, it, it's horseshit. And so, sure. you know, some people out there listening may have a different opinion. That's awesome. Join the debate. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But every everything should be on the table. Yeah, yeah. Every, in, in these debates, in my opinion. Absolutely. On one end of the spectrum, hey, you know what? We're gonna repeal the Second Amendment. Nobody gets mm-hmm. guns.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's never gonna happen. Exactly. It yeah. Needs to be on the table. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. On the other end, nobody gets violent video games. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets fucking Viva Pinata. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, uh, we're all gonna watch
0: Friendship is Magic. You know, that's it. Don't say that kind uh, word about Friendship is Magic. I'm not going to actually. <laughs> no, but the thing, the, the, the thing is, I think we hit on it, and this is true with Looper, t- tying it back to that. Absolutely. Is, the idea of variables, the idea that just one thing is not going to guarantee a good outcome. Right. So just like in that movie, how anything that happens in the past can affect the future, but you try to go back and change the past, and obviously it doesn't guarantee. Exactly. And killing those kids doesn't absolutely guarantee a good, a good life. So to me uh, with the idea of, of the real world violence the variables are there we talk about context do you understand what you're what you're playing what you're watching what you're seeing, what do you, you, what do you you're understand hearing, this right. violence even real violence do you understand the context of that me seeing a real dead person at, at that school bus crash if I didn't have my dad there to say, listen, I, this is the real world. This these is things happen. mortality. You know, these this, things, is happen- this will happen to everybody. Uh, accidents, maybe not. accidents, and everything. So if you don't have that, and you and you take into consideration the variable of a family, of uh, someone that can teach you love and teach you not to be fearful and angry, right. and elements of of uh, abandonment. Right. You know, if you, if these variables, all these variables, can be tweaked here and there, and then all of a sudden you can be a fucking murderous son of a bitch, or you can be a very pacifist uh, 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 good-hearted person, right. it doesn't matter. It, th- th- these, these ideas of how many variables there are that we need to tweak, it's something that we can't control. So, to me, you know, uh, again it's, it's an interesting theory to to deal with because there's so many aspects that need to be yeah, Newtown you know, New it, is not going to change just because we say, "Hey, we're going to get rid of guns." No, it's gonna exactly. Be, it's not going to change if we just uh, uh, say, "We need, we need uh, uh, psychology." Uh, oh, we need uh, guards in the school. It right. Nothing's. It's it, not going to change it's just right. because of that one thing.
1: Right. And you have to, you know, we, you were you were talking <coughs> earlier about trying to find answers uh, and how, uh, you know, the the complete opposite of that, just not. Not even looking for those answers, not needing to understand it, not needing to grasp it yeah. just yeah. just to I mean, there is value on on in that judgment mm-hmm. that you're talking about to to look at something like uh, you know right. Newtown or Virginia right. new tech and whatnot and and actually be able to acknowledge it's horrible. yeah it's terrible yeah um, you know it, it, it but let's it's a not, tragedy
0: yeah, but let's not understand it to the point where if it happens again, we automatically jump to conclusions about that's why it happened.
1: That and and let's be honest, you know the the way that our broken system works, it's you know hey uh, let's just ex- let's just extrapolate all that we can, and then the whole system gets bogged down. Eight years later, it doesn't matter anymore. Nobody's looking right. for these things. But it's 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 there's a, there's a uh, I think an ignorance there. I don't think it's necessarily willful that again comes you know buys back into uh, uh, the the Fight Club. Uh, A bit we were talking about or not fight club i'm sorry um no country yeah where people don't want to be a part of that world yeah sure and that's good because i think that's exactly what you're getting at going back to that point is uh you don't you can't always look for that understanding yeah you know, people yeah. people go to religion. They can they can mm-hmm. do so, you know go to therapy well, like, do they, this stuff. And,
0: uh, uh, even going back further to the beginning of this discussion about uh, ambiguity and no answers, isn't it perfect that we talk perfect. about? You cannot get answers. You cannot always get solid answers. You can't always get something tangible. Right. And this world is not like I have uh, very close friends. Uh, Jason Henley. You know Jason Henley. Yeah. Uh, Jason, Jason Henley. Yeah. J- yeah. Both of them. Uh, well, mainly Jason. I know Jason, Jeff a little
1: bit more than Jason. Right.
0: Yeah. Jason's one of these people that, and, and God love him. He is, uh, God love him. Anybody love him. Uh, I don't want to make it a God love him. Satan love him. him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Christian. But, uh, but he's a great guy. And uh, But his, his whole outlook is very scientific search for answers. And I asked him one time. Uh, You know, I told him, uh, there's no way that you can find all the answers out. There's no uh, uh, singularity. I, I don't know if there is going to be a continuous technological push to the point where we understand everything. Right. So if there's always a variable out there, are you going to be all right with something that is... Unanswerable, and he was like, "No, I want to constantly. I always want the answers. I want to be to the point where I know all the answers." And to me, there's less stress and more happiness in the world if you're not looking for the answers. If you're not, I mean, answers to things, but right. not looking for the end all, be all answer right. because it's not there. You can't, you can't even hold that answer in your hand. Right. Be it the answer to violence, the answer to. To the world, right? World and, peace. And um, getting the
1: the ambiguity thing is funny because yeah. uh, this this actually didn't and and it this might have popped out to other people uh, in Looper, but the third time I watched it, there's the whole bit about how uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is talking with uh, the dancer. I forget the actress.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh P- P- Piper Piper P- Yeah.
1: Piper Perry Perry from uh, Coyote Ugly yes um, she uh, she's running her hands through his hair and he says you know this is the way my mother used to do it and blah 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 and then at the end of Looper we see scenes of Sarah running her hands
2: mm-hmm.
1: through Sid's hair mm-hmm. and then through just what levitts hair
0: I did not did not notice that so interesting
1: now if we're talking in a broader context about theories of the time travel and sci-fi mm-hmm. you get into ideas of this, sure. you know, multiple Branching. universes yeah. and all this kind of stuff yeah. so sure. in one world was Joseph gordon Levin's character the Absolutely. Rainmaker
0: mm-hmm. Sure. did he grow up to be the Rainmaker sure.
1: so how did he get there mm-hmm. that, you know like, mm-hmm. that's when there's this last wonderful question uh, this ambiguity that plays it and I love stuff like this like yeah, yeah. iRobot like, the movie I hated it Yeah. but the book the book's fantastic yeah. the end of the movie though is striking because you see this wonderful device of split. If you ask people, what happened at the
0: end? Greg, uh, what happened I, at the I end? I haven't seen it, I'm sorry. Really? I've only seen, like, parts of it. I've never seen that. Uh, I don't want to ruin
1: anything. But there's, there is a wonderful bit of ambiguity in the end there. Um, and on one end, and there's it's not even like a black or white thing. I, I guess there is some middle ground. You could argue for some middle ground. But on one end, it's like... Ah, oh, all right, cool. Feel good, man. We're we're, we're good. You know, everybody's good. You know, the, you know, let's forge ahead with the future. On the other end, you're like, this is the most terrifying goddamn thing in the world. <laughs> like, what what happened here? Like, the- I need to check it out, man. <laughs> I mean, I love that. But there's it's interesting because I'll talk. To, I have a friend who loves 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 that movie. Yeah, she absolutely just just loves it, and she's she's very easily entertained. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I love her to death. She's a really great friend. Uh, but when I actually proposed this to her, she was like, "Oh, I love the end. It's, it's so hopeful and so joyous." <laughs> that so I was like, really? real, <laughs> because you know there's this other thing." Uh, and she, yeah. and her face was just like,
0: "Yeah, yeah." I never thought about it yeah. like that. It That's was good like, stuff. Yeah, I think I, I think uh, going back to Looper, there, there are things about and it could be something for a completely different show, but the ideas of of time travel that have been explored in movies and television shows, they come back to this idea, and some of them discount it. Some people don't even deal with it. But I think it's one of the most interesting elements, and that is the branching. The idea right. that once you move from this point in space and time, that it's not the same. So either your existence is changed or every person's existence is changed after you. You know, there's this branching.
1: Right, Well, and that happens every minute of every second mm-hmm. of every nanosecond of every day is basically Absolutely. what comes down to.
0: It's a, and, and that's the one thing that I love about Looper is trying to both discount but also give a little bit of understanding in the coffee shop scene mm-hmm. when they're in the diner and uh, Willis is like I don't want to talk about uh, uh, time travel we're going to be here right. with straws and figuring it out <laughs> exactly. and immediately it's trying to discount it but then it goes into it a little bit where he's saying everything's a cloud but then right. once you do it I know you've done it I know that how you did it
1: right everything's cloudy you very know, interesting have, idea become yeah. clear, you know, and, yeah. and it's like I said I like uh, that there's a lot of really great things, I think, going on in that movie. Um, and and I, I think that... I don't want to overstate it. Because, like, I told my... It was funny because I built it up for my wife and I was like, this movie's great. It's really yeah, yeah. fantastic. Because it's not about what you think yeah. It's because you see the, the ads, you think it's about time yeah, travel. exactly. When really, I mean, the damn thing pulls more from Akira than yeah, yeah. anything Absolutely. Else, you know
0: what I mean? Absolutely.
1: Um, and, well, I had a debate about that with a friend of mine. I don't, he, he was arguing about how it, ta- yeah, it's, it's, it has more in common with The Shining. And I was like... Yeah, we well, you can make that argument and but he had never seen Akira. And I was like, motherfucker. Yeah. Go at least watch the movie, out of, yeah, you know, yeah. like Check uh, that out. speaking of unfilmable things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Never, please yeah, yeah. God never touched Akira, yeah, yeah.
0: Akira. Ever. Are they still trying to do a, a live last, action like last yeah. year
1: it fell through it mm-hmm. got dumped, I think I don't not the Spears brothers, but or not the Spears not Spears, but uh, the Hughes Brothers, I yeah, think, yeah. on it.
0: Yeah, 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 was that's like, right. like, give me
1: a fucking break, dude.
0: Caleb, uh, how do you feel about this episode? You feel like a good conversation came out? I feel it? we meandered a lot, and I have to apologize for that. I think you'll be surprised, because I, fe- <laughs> I felt like it, it, it all came together there at the I, end, definitely.
1: I, I would agree. It's um, good. I have one last thing to say. Give it to, to me. Uh, have you ever read House of Leaves?
0: No, I've not.
1: If you want to talk about an absolutely unfilmable 100% never-should-be-filmed movie. Okay. Go out and pick up a copy of House of Leaves. Don't even tell me
0: anything Mark about it. I'm going to fucking do it. You I'm going ju- to re- Just
1: skim through the fucker, Yeah. and you will see pages that you go, what <laughs> the hell is going on here? It's fantastic. Excellent. Um, I actually meant to bring that, and Venture Brothers down here for you, and I completely forgot to do both, because you need <laughs> Every time
0: I see Curtis, I'm like, <laughs> I want to
1: watch Venture Brothers. I have good news for you, though. End of March, uh, all of Adult Swim stuff's going up on, yes. on Netflix.
0: yes. I'm so, so fucking psyched anyway. about that. Anyway. I, I do think we meandered, and I apologize for that. Um, no, no, those are the best conversations. To um, I don't know if they're the best for listeners, but they're the best for <laughs> me because I like going everywhere, everywhere. anywhere, and anywhere.
1: Um, but we did. I think we did bring some things into focus there. Um, I know stuff. that you typically have Fernando, uh, who I guess is a really good friend of yours. Yeah, he's a hard, good, good, friend. Uh, and mm-hmm. I know that you and I really, I, you and I really don't have that like that kind of connection you know what I yeah, mean but,
0: but no no but, uh, I, I, like I said you know being on, on Facebook I see how <laughs> how similar our senses of humor are and right. how similar our interests are you know I, right. I, I really I really enjoy that even though when we were in school it was more of an right. acquaintance situation exactly right? so, uh, absolutely,
1: so you know with, with any with any luck maybe I can provide some uh, some absolutely. entertainment for, for you and for,
0: for the people listening so. absolutely thanks a, a lot I yeah. appreciate it man yeah. Some or all of the music on today's podcast was brought to you by MusicAlley.com. If you liked any of the music, links to the artists and their songs are in the show notes.